My name is Robert Roundtree and I'm the host of the Marijuana Solution and I want to tell each and every one of you how you can help free the plant in Florida and that's by signing the petition for Regulate Florida. If you're a registered voter in the state of Florida, go to regulateflorida.com and download the petition. Sign it, send it into the address on the back to Sensible Florida, or you can bring it into any True Leave around the state of Florida. True Leave is a huge supporter of Regulate Florida, just like the Marijuana Solution and Sunshine Cannabis. And I want to let everyone know that right now, Sunshine Cannabis has committed to donating a portion of all proceeds from their Sunshine Kush True Pod, the Sunshine Gold True Stick merchandise, a percentage of all proceeds to the Regulate Florida campaign to free the plant. The Marijuana Solution is brought to you by Sunshine Cannabis, True Leave, MJ Buddy, and We Are Rare. We're Florida's first licensed medical cannabis dispensary with locations all throughout Florida, and we deliver all throughout Florida next day. We have the largest selection of products within the allowable delivery methods. Truly products are hand-grown in an environment that keeps it as natural as possible at every turn. We don't use pesticides and we lab test our products and those lab tests are published on our website. So you can be confident at the medication that you're putting into your body. Our favorite products are our vaporization lines, our True Pod, our True Clear is a patient favorite, and we also just recently launched True Flower for patients that want the full entourage effect. At Truly, we're really proud to offer the largest variety to patients, and we're really excited about the future and all of our patients that are helping us expand and grow and make our products even better. Visit our website at www.truelieve.com to find out where all of our dispensaries are located, shop online, learn more about our products, or find a doctor if you haven't gotten started in the medical cannabis process. Hi, it's Chris Sunshine here, the president and founder of Sunshine Cannabis. I'm so excited to tell you all about our brand new Sunshine Kush True Pod, available now statewide at all True Leave locations and online at trueleave.com. You can buy the brand new Sunshine Kush True Pod. It comes in a ratio of eight to one. It's 710 milligrams of THC and 90 milligrams of CBD. The top terpenes are limonene, linalool, myrcene, and caryophylline. The entourage benefits for patients are unmatched and the taste is top shelf Kush with a sunshine fruit sparkle at the end. Don't miss it, it's in stock now. Get to your local True Leave or go online to trueleave.com, buy the brand new 800 milligram pure relief in a pod, sunshine Kush product from Sunshine Cannabis. And remember, sunshine is the best medicine. Hello everyone, you're listening to The Marijuana Solution and I'm your host, Robert Roundtree. And this episode we have on a very special guest, for his second appearance, and that is Mr. Rick Naya. As many of the marijuana solutioner, as many of, as many of the marijuana solutioner, dude, I'm gonna have a lot of edits. As many of the marijuana solution listeners already know, uh, his story is an amazing one. He is originally from Florida, heavily involved in the cannabis movement for the past five decades. Moves up up to New Hampshire and has been a driving force up there for legalization and sensible reform to their cannabis policies. And he's also going to be helping Florida here get our act together. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're actually here to talk about one of Florida's most legendary heirloom strains, and that is Gainesville Green. 
Mr. Rick Naya is here to clear the air. That's one of the strains that have a lot of mystery surrounding it. I'm actually from Gainesville. I grew up here. And Mr. Rick Naya is actually one of the people behind the original Gainesville Green strain. And I can't wait to tell you his story in his own words. How are you doing today, Rick? Hey, I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. I greatly appreciate uh, being on the show. Thank you for inviting me again. Yes, sir. You're very welcome. Um, so, as I said in the intro for the Marijuana Solution listeners, there's this is one of those strains, as you know, that just became so popular over time that it became synonymous with good pot. Like If you had a bag of decent bud from Gainesville, it was called Gainesville Green. Still to this day, I can be in another state or even when I was in Amsterdam and I mentioned I was from Florida and then I mentioned I was from Gainesville and I hear, oh, Gainesville Green, that stuff's awesome. Hell yeah, it's awesome. That's why it became so popular. Uh, and a lot of people are confused about what it is, where it came from, and there's a lot of different stories out there, but what is the truth behind it, Rick? Can you kind of tell us how Gainesville Green came about? I, I know because I've um, heard your story before, but I, I want you to tell it exactly how it is uh, to the Marijuana Solution listeners. It's an amazing story. Yeah, I, I, I'd like to share that and, uh, you know, clear the air of, of the actual, the legend behind the mysteries that people have and the misconceptions of where the truth and the light of the origins of the Gainesville Green began and how that all started uh, oh so many years ago. Um, I uh, was born in Palm Beach, Florida. I was born and raised in Palm Beach County. And um, as a kid, we'd spend a lot of time, so, you know, fishing and hunting and so forth. We lived right on the ocean. So it was a lot of fun going, you know, either out in the woods to go hunting and, you know, riding our uh, motorcycles or our dune buggies and our swamp buggies and airboats. And we spent a lot of time in the woods and on the beach, as it was back in the early 60s and 70s. It was quite uh, still a small town. Uh, Palm Beach County hadn't yet experienced uh, the, the type of growth that, like, say, Miami and Fort Lauderdale was having. It was still, you know, quite rural at the time. But anyway, uh, there came a time that uh, I was with some friends uh, and we all decided to go uh, out in the woods and, you know, drink some beer and smoke some grass. We're uh, about 14, 15 years old and um, 16. So we took off uh, out into the woods, out into the JW Corbett area, which is a, uh, a, a national park and preserve there in Florida uh, in western Palm Beach County. And we used to go out there a lot and hunt and, uh, you know, just, just go screw around like kids did out in the woods, just investigating, exploring, and uh, just being kids. And uh, we went out there one night, and we were just drinking beers and uh, listening to music and smoking weed. And it was getting kind of late, probably 1230, 1.30 in that time. It was really quite late. And um, all of a sudden, we heard the rumble of uh, an airplane, uh, a, a big cargo plane of the day. And you could see it, and it was coming low, and it flew over uh, us. And as it flew past, I noticed uh, eight sets of lights go on 
and I saw men scurrying around and the silhouettes. You could see that they were carrying weapons and myself and my buddies all looked up and we were like really kind of scared because I was telling them, man, this is going to be a dope drop and they're going to drop a bunch of weed and this, that, the other, because back in the day, that was uh, a known way of doing it, you know, uh, clandestine airfields and planes would come and make their drops and fly away. And that's exactly what happened. It flew around us about three or four times and we could hear the bales coming out. We could see the guys scampering around and uh, the plane flew off and we saw all the men running around and you could tell that they were loading all of their trucks and up. And um, after probably a, I don't know, about an hour of that, they scampered off and they all rank and file and left the woods. And it was still, you know, very dark. And uh, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the crack of dawn started appearing and it got really quiet. And then you could tell that they were gone and it got quiet. And then the, you could hear the, the chirping of the bugs again. And you knew it was like, okay, it's back to normal. And then I ran over to that area, which was about 300 yards away from where we were camping. And uh, I could just smell cannabis all in the air. And as the crack of dawn appeared, I looked down and I could see white pellets and cannabis all over the ground. And uh, I just reached down and looked at the cannabis and then I looked at the uh, one of the pellets and I looked at them and I was like, wow, man. Then I ran back to my buddies and I said, forget about the camping gear, forget about everything. Just get in the truck and let's drive over there. And they were like, you know, no way. And I just, I didn't care. I just bolted over there and I started loading the truck up and I loaded the truck up with about 500, 600 pounds of cannabis. And on the last chunk that I ran back, I stumbled over a, uh, a duffel bag, uh, at the time, we didn't know what they were, but it, they were Roar 714s and they were Quaaludes and there was a million of them all over the ground and just broken and just bags and things all over the ground. It was crazy. But I stumbled over one of the burlap or duffel bags and I threw that in my truck and we took off and uh, we got home and we offloaded everything in the woods and we covered it in tarps and we buried it and we didn't dare tell anybody uh, due to the fact of the connection we had with the community and uh, my family and uh, we just couldn't risk anything. We were scared. We were still too young to understand what had happened. And within a few weeks, uh, the big epidemic of quaaludes started showing up all over South Florida. And it just was like, wow, we were just kids. And we were like, we got really scared. So we didn't even go back to the woods for, you know, it was a couple of months before we even thought about going back out there. And then, um, you know, there came a day, it's like, man, I want to get some of that weed. And I, I went out there and grabbed about a quarter pound and came back and rolled up a bunch of joints and sold it. And it was Colombian gold and uh, it was kind of seedy. And, you know, it was a lot of seeds <laughs> and I just saved a bunch. And then I, I had sold uh, some of it. And with a hundred dollars, I gave it to a friend of mine that was going to Hawaii. And I said, Hey man, get some Hawaiian weed when you're over there. Cause you know, back then they didn't check your luggage or anything. You could just, get on luggage, uh, your luggage right onto the plane with whatever you wanted on it. And they never inspected or looked at anything. So he went and came back and brought me two ounces of some uh, Maui Wowie. And I, we smoked the one ounce and we were into the second one on one of the last big buds on the last ounce, two seeds popped out. <laughs> and I thought, wow, man, that's cool, man. Hawaiian seeds. And then it was kind of late in season. So we had to wait till next year when it was, you know, warm season, spring came. And then we planted the Hawaiians and I planted some Colombians and the seasons took off. And uh, 
one of the Hawaiians died, but the other one kept growing and the Colombians started growing. And we were so young that we didn't really even understand what uh, male and female plants were. We were just growing weed. You know, we were cool. We're growing weed, man. Wow. And uh, little and lo and behold, season kept going. And one day we came back and everything was yellow. And we're like, wow, man, look at the Hawaiians all yellow. What happened? And we're looking at the ground and we're looking at the plants. And we could tell, I said, look at the bells. They're all open. And we didn't know what the bells were. We thought they were buds. But what they were were actual flowers and they pollinated everything. So little and lo and behold, that was the day that the legend began. That's when the beginning of the uh, of one of the rarest and beginning of the rarest hybrids in the world. And uh, we harvested those seeds. And then the next season uh, we grew them and uh, little, little behold, it was like something that had ne- we'd never seen. I mean, even though we were young, it wasn't anything like the big, tall sativa, skinny, tiny little buds. And it was nothing like the first indica, which was maybe a two, three feet high, bushy little thing. It was between them. It was the first hybrid and it had big, like, uh, kumquat and tangerine sized buds on it and they were all stacked up in long colas uh you know as the old adage donkey uh you know what and um that was for the beginning of it and it had a very 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 strong piney smell it was very bright green and had a lot of hairs and the trichomes were very uh prominent you could see trichomes like for the first time where with the colombian and the oldest strains, you didn't see a lot of trichomes but with the gains you could see trichomes on the leaves and on the calyxes would swell and you saw calyxes and hairs for the first time like it was never seen before and what we did is we we took the harvest and I, I kept some and I took about I don't know probably about 10 pounds and I took it to a friend of mine and this was a friend of mine for many years who played football baseball basketball with us in Palm Beach Gardens my father was the uh president and uh benefactor, donator of Palm Beach Gardens Youth Athletic Association, and he was very well known in uh, the county. And anyway, one of the families in that town used to be uh, involved with the Hells Angels. And uh, Bobby's dad just so happened to be the head of the Southeast chapter of all the Hells Angels in the Southeast United States. And his name was Tiny. Anyway, Bobby was up at Gainesville doing his thing, and um, I talked to his uh, brother um, and asked him where he was. He says, up at Gainesville, he's up here. And I said, okay. And so we decided, let's go up to Gainesville. And we drove up to Gainesville and we went to where he was and, hey, what's going on? And then I said, hey, I got something you guys might want to see because I knew, you know, he was the guy to go to, to buy or sell if I needed anything. He was always available for me. Let's put it that way. And um, I walked him over to the truck we opened the door and the first thing that came out of his mouth was what in the hell is that? Jesus God, what is that? And then he opened the bag up. And when he opened up the, the 30 gallon baggie and he looked down in there, he looked up at me and he goes, but God, Jesus, what is that? I ain't never seen nothing like it. Now, mind you, remember, we're talking about a bunch of rednecks and bikers and Southern boys. And he had that big Southern draw and he, Jesus, but God, man, I ain't never seen nothing like that. And I said, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. It's just weed. What do you, what do you call it? Like, I don't know. I, I, we, we grew it, Bobby. What is it? What, what? And we told him, so we had Hawaiian and the Columbia. And he goes, God, Dickie, this is, this is some real primo. Here's what he called it, primo. This is some primo shit right here. And then he said, man, we're, we got to give it a name. And then he, he kept looking at it and smelling it. Then he stuck his head up out of the bag and looked at me, man, we're going to call it the Gainesville Green. 
And then me and my brother, we looked at each other. Yeah, man, that's cool. The Gainesville Green, cool. And we didn't know. We were kids. We we had no idea. We were like, whatever. You know, it's just we us. Give us the money. <laughs> and that's pretty much what it was. And then, yeah, she got any seeds of this thing? Because it, it didn't have any seeds. It was all sensimia. There was no males around it. It was all sensimia with these plants. And then I said, no, but I got a bunch of seeds here. And I gave him some. And then he gave me my money was, you know, 500 bucks for the two, whatever it was, 10 pounds. It wasn't a lot because back then we were kids. We just wanted money. We didn't even know. We were that naive to any of that. We just wanted money. And that was cool. And we were, we were down because we had weed at home. We didn't have to worry about it. So we, we got our money and left. And that was the beginning of the Gainesville Green. Now, from what I gathered is that Bobby, uh, you know, because he ran around with a bunch of bikers up in that area and, you know, he rolled with the crowd. Uh, he started growing that with some fellas right up there and just uh, west of Gainesville out in some of the swamps up in there. And uh, sure and behold, uh, the following year, I, I started hearing about the Gainesville Green, the Gainesville Green. And we're all like, hey, man, that's my weed. My brothers and I are like, oh, damn, look, Gainesville Green, Dickie. And we just started laughing about it like, oh, hey, look at there, they're growing our weed. And that was pretty much it. Then we come to find that Bobby had given some seeds to some of the other guys, and they, from what I gathered, ended up in Washington or out west. And they took that cannabis out west, and from what I gathered, it was hit with a tie, male, which became the skunk one. And onward and forward we go through the lineage of chromographed cannabis that, uh, you know, the northern lights, the northern, all, the, all of the hybrids that we know to this day can be genetically uh, chromiographed back to the original, which is the Gainesville Green. So it's the very first of the American hybrids, international American hybrids in the world. And it went on to become one of the greatest, uh, I don't know, sought after and uh, used uh, original uh, uh, plants to become hybrids in, in the world. So when you look at cannabis nowadays and you, you look at the varieties of hybrids, you can always look back and think about what started all of these and who got all that kind of thing going. It was the Gainesville Green. And as a young boy, you have to understand, uh, who would have known 40 years later that someone was going to chromograph things and go through the dial and find out which cannabis started it and then have them call me and say, hey, we heard you know a little bit about this, and we spoke about it, and it went back and forth for several months with communication of different people there in Gainesville and bikers and people that couldn't get the right answers. And um, there, it's because they didn't know. It's because the answers came from me, and it was something that we kept very quiet for many years, again, due to my family and my background. We had to keep things very quiet. And, of course, who wanted to go to jail? Uh, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, we, there was a drug war upon us. And uh, as we know, it was just just terribly failed uh, humanity in our society on a socioeconomic fashion, as you know, as well as lives medicinally and uh, physically. So, um, you know, for a young kid to have had an experience, have that happen to him and have it be known, you know, 40, 45 years later is a blessing because I've been an advocate for cannabis since then. I'm one of those kids back in the early days that people would just think, Oh my God, he's smoking cannabis. And Oh my God, stay away. And, 
that don't hang out with that boy. And I was always a good kid. I was a great athlete. I was pretty good at school, uh, disciplined employee. I didn't ever get sick. I was always on the job working, uh, always out helping people and always advocating that, you know, cannabis wasn't that egg in the frying pan and uh, something else is they're, they're lying. Uh, and what happened throughout time is I began educating myself uh, again uh, in the early days when computers came out in the early 80s. Uh, I was very involved in that. In fact, my father and uncle are some of the first uh, advanced designers of computers in the world. So I, I understand, uh, you know, using media and using online information and accessing freedom of information. So I uh, was able to, in the earlier days, find out about the, uh, the cannabis patents that the U.S. government had. And many people thought I was crazy. They didn't believe me. And they had to go online and find it for themselves. And if you're intelligent and you can understand patent law and understand what that patent really is saying, it's saying that, hey, everybody, we're lying to you, that we have uh, medical reason to have patents regarding cannabis and what it does to the brain and how it protects brains and helps develop neuropathy, transpondy, uh, reconnections, and many, many other, a myriad of different other things that are within the patents. If you understand that, you'll know then that it's time to stand up to the lies. And that's what happened to me. I just, I just, I don't know, maybe 20, 25 years ago, something lit up inside me and I just kept going and going and going. And then finally I said, I've got to do something, not just talk about it. I went to the state house. And I showed my face there and they asked, what am I doing here? And I said, well, I'm here for cannabis. And everybody took a couple steps back. Oh, hi, we like you. You're a great guy, but you know, cannabis is taboo. And I'm like, no, it's taboo for you because you don't understand. Let me educate you. Let me show you why they're lying. And that's what happened. It, it took, uh, I don't know, a better part of six to seven years uh, to do that. And then finally we, we were able to secure RSX 126, New Hampshire's medical cannabis program that by which I'm one of the very first purchasers of cannabis in our state and cardholders. And um, I, I dedicated a lot of my life and time and money to help uh, write those rules and bills to make sure that we could hold a medical program accountable to a level that would be good for our patients. In fact, when it came out, it was one of the best uh, sought out plans in the nation, according to many of the other states. Now, as we move forward, we also got uh, New Hampshire decriminalized. And uh, now we're, we're working on House Bill 481, the uh, cannabis legalization uh, bill that we pr uh, provided, which just passed uh, our uh, criminal justice uh, with a vote of 10 to 9 ought to pass to be heard by our legislators. And that will take place here in a few weeks. And uh, we'll move forward to having it listened to by the House of Ways and Means, which will help establish the taxation purposes and revenue and how that would uh, uh, be employed and how that will pay for, you know, the staffing and uh, oversight. And we'll also have a cannabis commission that will be formed that will put up rules or regulations that by which the larger growers, retailer, manufacturers can be involved and the licenses can be distributed and, and governed. Um, one thing I, I, I would like to say is that, like myself and, and many people like yourself, Robert and Chris and truly and, and, and people in industry that are out there. Uh, they always ask me, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? And it's like, do you see what I'm doing? Do you see what Robert's doing? Do you see what Chris is doing? We get out there and we make our voice heard. We don't hope to think that this 
Sunshine State's going to, you know, uh, get a suntan without, you know, getting out. You've got to get out to the beach. You've got to get out to your legislators. You've got to get a phone call to them. You've got to get an email. You've got to call your representatives. You've got to call people and be involved in local legislation. You've got to be involved in your local communities. So when people ask me, what can I do? Uh, See what an activist does. Just step into one part of that. Send an email. Make a phone call. Come to an event. Go to a hearing. Voice yourself at a hearing. It's very empowering. And people don't understand this until they try it. When they go to a hearing uh, regarding cannabis or any other public hearing, the first time you get a chance to speak and you sign your name that you would like to speak and you need five minutes of their time to voice your concern or your thoughts about the bill, what it does to you, it makes you an activist because that is will be the first time that your voice was truly heard by whether it be a commission, legislators, the governor, or whomever it might be, they're going to hear your voice. It's very empowering. So for those of you out there that are listening and you would like to get involved, sign the petition, but don't only sign it, make a copy of it, have others sign it for you. Have more people do the same because Nothing happens as an island. No man is an island. But when many come together, we become one and buoyant. And our voices can be heard and they're amplified when we come together. So when we talk about regulating Florida and we talk about our sunshine state, we're talking about common sense policy. The only way that's going to happen is when ordinary people who use cannabis for whether it be medicinal or for recreational, that they stand up and have their voices heard, come to a hearing, come to a regulate Florida event, come have your face seen and heard, get involved in your communities. That's how we make change. So we talk about cannabis and how it all gets moving. It starts with social economic empowerment. And that is something that I think that all of us needs to be involved with changing the way cannabis is seen and bringing it to the forefront of industry in a respected manner. And that's what I'm really proud about uh, the way that we're moving forward there in Florida, here in New Hampshire and around the nation, that those of us that do this, we do it at the very, no pun intended, the very highest levels of legal and uh, maneuvering and uh, legislative uh, empowerment that we can. We do the very best for those of us that are the weakest, those of us that have been hurt by the failed drug war, the minorities. Those are the kind of people that truly need a leg up. And for those of you that might think that you're a minority, we're all minorities nowadays. Just get your voice heard. Come and show up. Be part of the movement. That's what I got to say. And then we go back to Gainesville Green. Think about it. It started with a fluke. It happened by happenstance. It happened as a child, as a young boy, trying to grow cannabis in the woods, thinking he was just going to be cool. But it was a blessing to our industry. And I take Gainesville Green. I take all breeders, cultivators, cultivars, agriculturalists in the cannabis industry, I I take them and I give them all the credence in the world to continue moving forward and harboring your strains. Go back to the early land races and use your strains in a very clinical manner so that we can protect cannabis, a symbiotic relationship with us, our endogenousness with our endocannabic system and the orchestrator of our organs. Let's protect cannabis in a way that really does exemplify and the deservingness that it should have after all of these years of warring against it 
that we should stand tall on now in unity and move forward in a common sense manner. That's where Rick Nye is at right now. Excellent. That was awesome. Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now About a game for your phone gonna make you say wow The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash Little by little your empire grows large Put the big celebrities inside your entourage You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong The name of the game is him pink, that's the point Download and play while you life yourself a joint The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crap, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads and get premier brand exposure. This is your opportunity. NCIA's Cannabis Caucus are coming this month to San Francisco, Los Angeles, Denver, Lansing, Michigan, and Philadelphia. Register today using promo code CANNABISRADIO20 to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Uh, There's a lot of things that you touched on that I would like to uh, further expand on. And first was when you were talking about patents. Um, The Marijuana Solution listeners out there, there have been utility patents issued for cannabis and a utility patent um, is the strongest and most broad of all patents. And there are companies out there that are getting utility patents and attempting to get them on different strains. And what that would mean is if they get the utility patent, they can then go back and demand fees from anybody that touched that um, cultivar that they received a patent for along the um, supply production and sales chain. And luckily, there are some very good activists uh, out there that saw this coming and they decided to do something about it. And the Open Cannabis Project was created. And this is a public database of uh, cannabis strains and if something is already in out and in the public domain it prevents it from being uh, patented by a company and then coming in and retroactively demanding fees which is something that could happen and it happens in big ag all the time I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with Monsanto they are very good at securing patents and just completely ruining small farmers uh, for all kinds of issues. I mean, if your seed stock happens to gonna... seed, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's yep. why. I want to interject. I'd like to interject because. Yeah, go ahead. It's funny that they can, they can make claims on cannabis now. And they're able to make claims all they can. But what they can't claim with cannabis is where its original propensity came from genetically. So when we talk about hybrids. Um, they're going to have a real difficult time when it comes to the original ones like Gainesville Green and the patents that we have and the trademark and things that are formulated and the truth of truth in law. So when that time comes, that's why I'm 
here to protect it with my elite legacy lines. And we're bringing together some of the biggest cultivators in the world to harbor and protect their genes with the original bolts that I have from the 70s, 60s, and even into the 50s from the Colombian and Hawaii, Hawaiian variants. So it's going to be very difficult for any large corporation, doesn't care how much money they have, we're going to be protecting these genes away from them. And that's what cannabis deserves. We don't need to have anything modified genetically. We don't need to have cannabis trifled with, with yeast. We don't need that. We need to protect the one plant in its natural essence for future legacies and future generations. Uh, we can't allow uh, these huge corporations to uh, continue to genetically modify things. Remember, cannabis is symbiotic to its environment. You can play with its genes for a minute, but it's going to revert back because she's a hermaphroditic. She has a life of her own. She is a he and a he, she in herself. Toying with something in that fashion that's been around for millennium is something you can't trifle with. Cannabis knows how and what's going on while they're trying to do these things. They're having difficulty with those genetic crispings and propensities. Some people have on some of the weaker variants I've heard, but with the stronger variants, the ones that, the rarer variants, the ones that we hold and harbor in our vaults, these are the genes that these people will be seeking in ways that even money can't buy. And we need to protect them away from those corporations so that mankind can be protected. As we do with corn and tomatoes, we keep them away from the GMOs. We're trying to keep things vaulted away from those, those, those things. It's, it's just, it's not natural. And we're trying to stay as natural and healthy as we possibly can. And that's yeah. what we're going to be doing. That's what we're doing. And we, in fact, we already have the vault. And that's why it's good that there are organizations so deeply committed like the Open Cannabis Project, because once you get that stuff out into the public domain, nobody can claim, claim it for their own. And there's so many strains and variants that have been out there. And there are definitely companies that are going to want to, you know, patent troll and get into patent wars. But that's coming on, you know, a little further down the line. Uh, what I really want to highlight something that you spoke about, and that is when people say, what can I do? And we get asked that a lot. Uh, people in positions like yourself and me, people ask all the time, what can I do to help? We just had a legislative panel at the Florida Medical Cannabis Conference this past week. It was um, the uh, lead sponsor was TrueLeave. And on the legislative panel, we had some of our top state representatives. We also had our newly elected commissioner of agriculture, Nikki Freed, and our newly appointed director of cannabis. And they all said the exact same thing that you said, Rick. And that is actually speak to your representatives and your senators. And if you let them know that you are from their district and one of their voting constituents, they'll go out of their way to speak with you. And I believe they may even be required to give you a certain amount of time. And they want to hear from you because no other person has the power that you have. You literally have the power to up or down vote their uh, job. You know, you can vote them in or out of office. 
And when you get that chance to speak to them, it's very, very important that you come in there prepared. And you should be prepared for them to be pro-cannabis and on your side. Also be prepared for them to maybe be a fence sitter and they need more information. And also be prepared for them to be completely against cannabis. And that's okay. All three positions are okay. We're obviously trying to move everyone from the against cannabis side to the pro-cannabis side. And the best way to do that is by doing what uh, Rick Nia said. Call your politicians, email them, and absolutely schedule a time to go and sit down and meet with them. And when you get that time, like I said, be prepared and have a quick pitch. Basically, um, what Commissioner Freed said and Director of Cannabis Holly Bell said is, you know, have your elevator pitch down to hook them in to be engaged in the conversation. And the elevator pitch is that first 30 to 60 seconds where you have that opportunity to really hook them in. Uh, don't come at them adversarial. Nothing will shut a human being's listening capabilities down quicker than somebody attacking them. Uh, and I'm the same way. We're all the same way. If someone's yelling and screaming at you, telling you you are a bad person, you're not really going to listen to what they have to say once they finally get around to saying it. So be prepared. Get engaged. Speak to your family at dinner. Speak to your coworkers. Any opportunity you have to spread the truth about cannabis and what it does for society and that we need to regulate it in a manner similar to alcohol so we can generate the tax revenue for the state. We can provide an amazing opportunity for small businesses and bring about much needed especially for the Sunshine State, uh, competition and a horizontally integrated market. And a lot of you out there I know are looking and wanting to get uh, licenses and you want to get involved. Maybe you just want to grow or you just want to produce edibles or maybe you just want to do retail. No matter what it is, Make sure that you sign the Regulate Florida petition. You can do so at regulateflorida.com forward slash petition. And they're also available in all true leaves. If you sign one, you can turn them into true leave. And people like myself and Chris Sunshine, Karen Goldstein, Michael Minardi, and other volunteers go around and pick them up. We are very, very close to Supreme Court review right now. We're going to get there, especially with the recent commitment by Sunshine Cannabis to donate a minimum, a minimum of 10% of all proceeds to the Regulate Florida campaign. So every time you buy one of those amazing Sunshine Kush True Pods, minimum of 10% of the proceeds Sunshine Cannabis receives is going to Regulate Florida. You get a Sunshine Gold battery for that True Pod, minimum of 10%. You buy some merchandise, minimum of 10%. We also highly recommend, that's the easiest way to donate because you're going to be able to medicate and donate through Sunshine Cannabis's commitment. And that commitment's indefinite. And I highly encourage anyone else out there with a brand that is generating some profits to consider right providing some of that to this petition and make a real financial commitment um, if you're not making money and there's no profits, don't, don't give us any money. We need you to be profitable. We don't want, you know, you to, uh, donate things you don't have. 
Uh, and if you have time as an individual, please go to regulateflorida.com and sign up to be a volunteer. We can always use more volunteers. There's events going on all over, and it's a great way to get out, network, meet like-minded people, and help us free this plant. We'd be able to grow six mature flowering plants, and there's no count on the ones that are not flowering. So if you're into juicing, if you have Crohn's or you have irritable bowel syndrome, you have any of those GI issues, juicing is really good and, and you won't have to worry about not having enough raw material. And, Full spectrum. Yep. That's the best way to do it. You juice it. It works great. Yep. And Live juice, plants. full spectrum, enzymes galore. Work, they get through your micronutrients faster than any form, any, remember that, form of cannabis consumption. So just know that, everybody, if you want to, you want to, you want to get alive, that's the way to do it, man. Juice it. A hundred percent. It's very, very good. Um, and mm -hmm. get involved. Please get involved. We can't do it by ourselves. We need all the help we can get. It's going to be the first time an adult use petition gets to Supreme Court review in Florida. So hats off to regulate Florida for the hard work and hats off to groups like Truly and Sunshine Cannabis for making financial contributions and hats doing off to the everything. citizens of Florida. Yeah. And like um hats off to like Rick and I said, all of you in the Sunshine State. Yeah. I believe the most recent polls put us above eighty percent uh, that support adult use. And I just personally, from being around and involved um, on the front lines for so long, have noticed more of you getting out and getting involved. And that's awesome. I, I see the momentum is gaining. The conversations are continuing to happen. And everything that you do helps. It, it, even just sharing a, a post on Facebook or having a conversation, everything counts, everything helps, and it all adds up. And no one person uh, is playing a bigger role than the other. It's like a football or basketball team. Yeah, I you just have to have something. all players. You know what I'm thinking about Robert. It reminds me of an orange tree. Ah, good one. You know, it's like a company like True Leaf is the tree, and then you have Sunshine Cannabis is the flower, and then all the oranges are the citizens. And you can't have oranges without all those citizens. So for all of you to come together and create something from the ground up and flourish and, and to be able to bring that plant home and, and to legalize is truly, truly, uh, it's again, a symbiotic relationship that cannabis has not only in business, but in life. And I, I support it so much. I think it's a great thing that, that you guys are doing, bringing together the community, bringing together companies and businesses to support the same mission. It's, it's really quite something in a state like Florida with the millions of people that you have versus like we have in New Hampshire, there's only like a million eight hundred or a million three hundred thousand people. So it's quite something that to bring together that many people in a state to have the voices heard. Now is the time for the oranges, the Sunshine State family to come together, get out there, get those petitions signed, go to hearings, call the local legislators, guys. The best way to, to make change is truly have your voice heard. No other way around it. Be an activist. Have your voice heard. It's very empowering. Indeed. Absolutely. And uh, earlier Rick said when he was talking about uh, speaking before a committee or something, that's when your voice really does get heard and gets counted, literally, on the record forever in the state of Florida. And we need to have more and more people on record 
So I highly encourage people to go out to your local meetings, your the state meetings, get involved. Um, and, you know, I kind of want to, since we just talked a lot about the political activism and stuff, is bring it back to the Gainesville Green. What type of um, strains were those? It was the Colombian and, and then the Hawaiian. The what types Bowl. of those are... Because um, people ask me all the time, are those like, is it indica sure. or sativa? Yeah. I know the, it's a hybrid. The indica but... was the Hawaiian. So the Hawaiian was an, a pure indica. It was 100% indica, broad leaf, short, bushy, and branchy. It was, like I said, it was probably two and a half feet wide uh, in diameter by about three feet high. It wasn't very big, it was very branchy, had uh, buds probably the size of. Uh, of a kumquat, maybe a little smaller, um, and very frosty. You could see the trichomes on the, the, the indica. And then the sativa was the Colombian, was very tall and lanky, more like hemp, very straight, very stringy, um, very lanky. Uh, the buds were maybe the size of a quarter, uh, a little bit bigger maybe, and they were resinous, uh, and they were tight, but you couldn't see trichomes. It looked like more of a fuzz. It didn't look like full-on trichomes. And um, so when the two bred, uh, it's like having the best of both worlds, something that's very tall and something that's very short, right in the middle, uh, not so small buds and not such tight little buds, but in between a little bigger though, and the branching, there was more branches. Um, it was that, that was what was indicative of what we know of hybrids is that originally Indica didn't provide that many uh uh, bracking that much branching and uh, the sativas uh, they flourished very tall and lanky and had sporadic arms that were very lanky as like the OGs you notice uh, but the OGs now have very thin branching and large buds and it's just a lot of uh, a lot of variables that occurred but the original one was quite significant to the industry and uh, how it's progressed in, in all these years and I'm really proud to be uh, considered the great grandfather of hybrid cannabis. I carry that in much honor and respect and adoration for cannabis. And as I speak on behalf of our great plant, I do so in the benefit of mankind and humanity and to leave a legacy behind and a heritage that protects the, na the natural cessation of cannabis for future generations. Absolutely. The it's amazing to think that right now we're standing right on the edge of that line that will be drawn one day in the history books of when it finally became fully legal and prohibition was over. We're right at that moment in time. We see it happening all around the country at different states and federally yep. it's going to happen as well too. I mean, yeah, we have our a neighbors, number, a number. Yeah, and the federal level, there, there's, I think, 19 different bills of some form or another that have something to do with cannabis, whether it be economic empowerment for the, uh, uh, the, the, the poor and minorities, uh, whether it be for banking, insurance, uh, a myriad of different laws are being uh, brought up now at the federal level. And I think need be because, you know, the world has moved, uh, has shifted when who the World Health Organization came out a few weeks ago and mandated that they should have all nations should reschedule cannabis 
to a Schedule Five uh, prior to 1961, which would make it a holistic uh, form of, 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 of flower, is what it would do, and make it a holistic an herb. Yeah, we need to, in my opinion, completely deschedule it. But I believe the first step to that is going to be rescheduling it. And we see oh, yeah. the international bodies such as the World Health Organization, the United Nations, and other big international treaty organizations are finally coming around to the fact that the Americans have been feeding them a bunch of BS and lying to them. Because um, many of you may not remember, but cannabis didn't used to be illegal around the world like it is. It only happened no, no, no. That after was the United due to States. Americans. Yeah. Right. That's Maybe can you America kind of, made that happen. Yeah. America made it happen because we held so much power. It was basically, you're going to do what we want. Either you do this or we won't give you money and do business yep. with you. That's what it was. Nixon put that down in the drug war. If you did not join us in the drug war, you were the problem. You get no money. Look what happened to Colombia, Venezuela, and other countries that decided not to. Look what's happened. Colombia fought with us. It helped change them to some degree. But what did it cause in devastation? Now what's Colombia doing? Legalizing cannabis. So you got to realize countries that we've gone into to fight failed drug wars, a lot of it, and many people know this, much of it was funded by CIA, FBI, but a lot of intelligent things lead, lead not only to believe, but factually that a lot of the drug warring and a lot of it that was going on was almost designed by the feds to fill prisons. Then they got so full, hey, let's open up uh, paper prisons. Yeah, let's just open a paper prisons now and we'll get rich on that. Just keep dumping drugs in the country. Let it happen and we'll make and fester this problem so that we can monopolize on it. And they've been doing this far too long. And, and it, lately, uh, many of these big pharmaceutical corporations are being sued by states for their play and role in this huge opiate epidemic and problem that we face in our nation. So now the states that have got cannabis legal, we're watching the trend. The trend is states that have legalized have finding anywhere between 25 to 50% deduction in opiate deaths. So that is a huge, huge thing to consider when all in all, we shouldn't have to even consider an opiate problem to legalize what over 74% of the nation wants legalized for recreational use. So we have to make a lot of considerations when we're looking at voting for things, but we always fail to realize it's, it's like the essential vote that you're looking at, not the peripheral ones. Adults have choices. Is it legal or not? Make it legal or not. Then worry about the uh, regulations and rules you place upon something. So that's what we need to really start considering. Is it legal or is it not? Are you going to help make it legal? Then get up off your chair, get out there and sign one of the petitions, make a copy, have others do the same, get online, have everybody else do the same, and make your voices heard at local and state events. If you're able to go to a hearing and have your voice heard, please do it. It's the most empowering thing, I believe, that anybody can go through is become a real activist. Not, you know, not a sofa chair or a reclining chair activist. I'm talking about down at the state house, have your voice heard and watch how empowering that is and how it will change your life. Absolutely. Cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads, make genuine business connections and get premier brand exposure. This is your opportunity. NCIA's new industry socials are coming soon to Portland, Maine, New Jersey, 
Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Miami. Register today using promo code CANNABISRADIO20 to take 20% off at thecannabisindustry.org slash events. Sponsorship opportunities available. Register today. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA free and lead free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold so it seems like a smart investment look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout north america and ask for the original fabric container find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches, allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth sheepskin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com. Nothing gives me a greater sense of accomplishment than knowing that I drove up to Tallahassee a day early, stayed in that hotel room, went up there to the Capitol and spoke to some politicians and then was able to give a statement on record in our, you know, the seat of our government up in Tallahassee. That, that, that's how you're, we're going to really make a difference is you need to go speak to your politicians at the local and state levels because it's easiest to have an impact at the local level. There's not as many people. There's, um, you know, you know I find, less... uh, Robert, I find a lot of people get involved and they want to go speak. And then they start hearing people say the same things they might have been thinking. And then they just sit in their chair and decide not to speak. Well, let me share this with everybody. Regardless of somebody says something, you think you might be redundant or repeat something that someone else said. Your story is valuable. No matter what circumstance you're in, your story is as valuable as the first person or the last person. So please, if you go to these events, don't fear that you maybe you might not have a powerful message because sometimes the weakest message is the strongest message of all. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I just can't recommend it enough to people yeah. to actually you get up. pick up the phone, yeah. at a minimum, pick up the phone and call. And or send yeah, an that's the minimum. An email, an email, and a phone call to your legislator, even if the secretary answers and wants to take the message, give them your information. Ask for an email. Send them an email and ask for a reply. If you don't get a reply, continue calling and tell them I'm not getting reply. Please leave a message. Please leave a message. Please leave the message. Continue this. I, I, what I do a lot of times, everybody, is I do a call of action. And I have different groups on social network that I share these call of actions on. 
And people literally make the phone calls, send the emails and get after people. And that's what we do. We get after them. And when we do uh, what we've done here since we just did our roll call vote, uh, we found out who the naysayers were and the people who were excused or the people that, that didn't vote that weren't there. So what we're going to go do, uh, we're going to go lambaste them. We're going to go after them and let them know that the people have spoken. What makes you any different than the other 290 people? Let us know your position so that we can clarify where your position is, because in your town and your city, more than likely, the people are speaking louder, uh, not as loud as the individual who may have a personal vendetta or a personal issue with cannabis. What we have to do is indoctrinate, unindoctrinate the indoctrinated. You have to educate them and you have to get out there and let them know that that's not how I want you to vote for us. And if they continue doing that, let it be known on social media that you're no longer going to vote for them and tell everybody else, don't vote for that person and elect somebody that's going to support the, the, the 74% of the nation and the state that wants to move forward. That, it's that easy. When people vote against you, you can vote them out the next time around and find the right person. That's how you get involved. You don't just sit back and watch it happen. You help make it happen. That's the great thing about America. If you get involved in, in politics and get involved as an activist in something that you believe in, you can actually help make changes in society and, and, and the world. So get out there. Make it a part of your... Your being, not just your existence. Anybody can exist in this world, but make it part of your being and get out there and have your voice heard. It's very empowering. Again, I've probably said it many times. It's one of the most liberating things a human being can do. Have their voice heard in a public arena and have it mean something to someone else. That's super important in this world nowadays. A hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better myself. And <clears throat> I'm going to have links in the description, if you go down to the description right now, for you, those of you listening, you will see a link to myfloridahouse.gov's um, page where you can put in your address and it will give you all of your elected representatives at the state and federal level for both the House and the Senate. And make it really there easy you for you. And get after it, folks. Get after it. If it's on the link, use the link. It's that simple. Click on it. See what it says and get into it. Send a message. Get the phone number. Make a phone call. Leave a message on the phone if you have to. Get after it. It doesn't happen if you don't get after it, folks. It sure doesn't. And something that blew my mind, Rick, when I first got involved was how few people are actually involved at that level and how easy it actually is to get heard and actually make a difference. Because there's not a ton of people actually going and meeting with the politicians uh, on a regular basis. So when you become one of those, they're going to start to turn to you for help with information That's because exactly they know right. you're a subject matter expert and you're going right. to make a difference. You will make a That's difference. That's what happened with me, everybody. I wasn't an expert. I just trained myself to become one. And now I'm considered by our cannabis commission, our state's expert in cannabis. That's what I am. I'm an expert now. They asked me, they, they, they actually, they, they like for me to comment and to uh, make things clear and bring back case study law and bring back different rules and regulations to hold them accountable. Remember, that's what we're doing with politicians. You just don't elect them. You have to hold them accountable to what you want, because there's a lot of other people infiltrating their minds and trying to get them to think other ways. And, oh, if you do this and vote this way, I can help you on another vote for your driveway or we can help on this property that you guys are trying to develop. There's a lot of things that are going on in politics behind closed doors that people don't know. 
That's where the word accountability comes into. So oranges, people out there in the, in the state of Florida, get out there, hit those links and hold these representatives and legislators and senators accountable. That's how you do it. That's how it's done. And it's done in a very diplomatic manner. You don't have to swear. You don't have to say anything. You just voice your opinion and thank them for listening. That's very important. Uh, you know, voice yourself in a good manner. You don't have to get out there and swear at them. You don't have to say negative things. Educate them. If you hear them say something that was ridiculous, find something that counters that. Post it and share it with them and send it in an email or share it with the community. Let everybody know the truth. Don't let the 80 years of indoctrinated lies fool you. Remember, there's enough information out there now that counters everything that they say about cannabis. We can prove it with science and data now. So don't be scared. There's enough information out there. Absolutely. Um, we're going we're coming up close to the towards the end, and I just wanted to uh, go back to this legendary strain that. Oh yeah. And, and that story, and can you kind of try and give the marijuana solution listeners like? what it was like back then and like the culture that wow. kind of sprung up around oh, wow. this, this strain and, and how yeah. it kind of became yeah. what it was. Well, I got, like I said earlier, I mean, it, it was a fluke and we grew it once and it was in a little community in Horseshoe Acres and my friends and brothers and family, just a few people knew what it was. And uh, I think uh, a lot of the credence can come from the folks in Gainesville who, you know, Bobby named it after and, it just became like this folklore that it's the Gainesville green. It's our weed. And this became like a, a very proud moment uh, for the people in the state of Florida that have a cannabis named even after a city, let alone, you know, from Florida, no one had ever done it. No one ever thought about calling it that if you go around. You very rarely even hear it. You hear New York city diesel, the Seattle, you hear different names of, of cannabis that have been around, but the original was the Gainesville green. So it's, it's really kind of neat to know that, um, you know, a Florida bread boy got blessed so long ago and 40, 50 years later, we look back now and it's considered the, like the, the Holy grail of hybrids. And I'm just so proud to know that, uh, I had my hand in that and the good Lord was watching over and it's real touchy for me because, you know, I've worked so hard for so many years to be an activist to help bring the truth and the light to cannabis, to have someone come find me after being so covert and quiet about my growing. And um, yeah, it's a very big honor and it's a very humbling place to be in the cannabis arena. And um, I, I can tell everybody one thing, that I'm doing us all proud and I'll continue to do so until the day that we're all legalized and we can all learn what it's like to live free and experience liberty in our lifetime. That's very important to me. Absolutely. It, it certainly is, Rick. And I'm forever grateful for your continued involvement and never letting the powers that be force you out of this game and this movement because you've played an instrumental role and you continue to do so. And it's amazing to think that the beginning of this journey was, you know, people dropping things out of airplanes and now you're working directly with a cannabis commission 
legally yeah, I'm a cannabis to, warrior. to draft I'm a the cannabis, rules yeah. that are going to end yeah. prohibition. Oh, yeah. And I've been doing that for years now, and I, I'm so embodied in it. It's, it's become who I am. I've become what cannabis needs, voices of reason and logic and common sense and writing policies that protect humanity and society and keep it away. Like I said, hold accountable your officials, because a lot of time there's underlying factors going into laws that many people don't understand until it's too late. And then you've got to fight for years to come to try to rectify what others have done. And if you can see that all around the nation, you see what's happened with the way people have tried to allow different industries to take over and allow them to be the ones out front versus allowing the mom and pop and the little guy and, and, and the smaller companies to try to get their foothold in with their varieties and their, their specialty edibles and the different things. That's why when you go to these big conventions, you'll always see the big money guy. And in the corners in the back, you see the smaller people out there hustling, trying to make a living in our industry. And that to me, it brings me so much joy. It, it really is worth like what I was saying, there are people that in this world that understand what I'm going to say. We're all created equal in this world, every being. Very few of us understand what is the word, what is called to be chosen. And when you know that you're chosen and the calling comes upon you and you take that step of faith to move forward, that's what makes you a warrior. That's what makes you a gladiator. That's what makes you invincible because you've stepped out in the truth and the light. You allow cannabis to speak its truth. And that's something that there are so many of us out there, yourself, including Chris, there's so many warriors and gladiators who have taken the batterings and the beatings, the jail terms and the sentencings and the humiliation, the loss of job and family and home. So many people have been, you know, mistreated for so many years that to see what's happening now brings me such joy and i appreciate all the citizens of florida and, and around the nation and in new hampshire to get out there and have your voices heard because if a guy like me can step up and fight for the rights of people so can anybody else can anybody anybody can do what i'm doing if you just have a passion inside you something that's calling you and you understand that hey i've been chosen to do this like a priest or a doctor or a lawyer or a fireman or a policeman or a chemist. When the calling comes and you know it, go for it. That's what I did. And I hope and pray that those of you in Florida that have heard this message today, that it touches you enough to get out there and have your voice heard once and for all and help those of us who have battled for so many years to help us make this happen. See, I get emotional over this because I know how long, how many years I've done this and we're on the, we're so close. We're so close that we need everybody to get involved in everybody to support one another. Now is a time that we become an island because no man is one island, but out of many, we become one. So get out there and vote folks and get out there and sign those petitions and have others do the same. Thank you so much for having me on your show again. And I look forward to uh, being in Florida here soon uh, to celebrate uh, the kickoff of Gainesville Green in Florida. Absolutely. I am so grateful for you taking this time and uh, out of your day to not only educate the people of Florida with me, but give a strong call to action for them to get involved, help us with Regulate Florida, 
we're so close. We can do this. We're going to do it in Florida. And very soon, everyone's going to have a chance to meet Mr. Rick Naya because he's coming down. Just like you said, things are about to kick off in a big way. And legalization's coming quick to the Sunshine State. Huge way. In a, in a really big way, things are really going to kick off. And I can't wait to come down and be with my family and share some sunshine love with all of you people. Again, like I said, I'm a little emotional now because I spent so many years doing this and giving so much of my life and resources. And when I say everything, I've given everything unto cannabis. So that those of you and our children and the heredity of cannabis can be looked at in a respected manner. Onward and forward we go to a newer nation. And that's what I look forward to, a newer nation. Absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Definitely onward and upward. And until the next time for the Marijuana Solution, uh, I greatly appreciate you coming on. And we're definitely going to have you back on for more episodes. Uh, I mean, I think we could probably talk until we both expired and we wouldn't be able to get all the information that's needed out there. So I look forward that's to correct. And, and perhaps, see, uh, perhaps sometime we can get into some policy because, you know, yes. I, I write policy. And I, 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 I don't like talking about it because it really takes up time and people that aren't in law and don't understand the practice of law. When you start talking about it, it gets really complicated. What people really want to know is this. Can I grow weed at home? That's what they want to know. Can I buy it at a store? Okay, I'm not going to go to jail. So there's very few things that the, the populace wants. It's everything else that you see in these laws are part of the legislators, the people that have another interest in this. So remember, accountability. Have your voice heard and be there like Rob said. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Rick. I really appreciate it. It's been an honor to speak with you again. And get the story about Gainesville green out. And I'm looking forward to you coming down here and kicking things off in the sunshine state for that and helping us get regulate Florida on the ballot. I really appreciate you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm so looking forward to it, folks. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Aware, aware of this marijuana solution.